0: I'm amazed once again at uh, how the Holy Spirit has already been guiding the service tonight. My startup slide to get a word picture in our mind here uh, just fits that song perfectly, does it not? I see the words of that song written all over this picture. Um, Draw me near, near to yourself. It's a call to to follow and to become and to become changed and we have here uh, somebody's idea of the rabbi Jesus Christ walking and you'll notice the words on the bottom says following uh, in the uh, following in Jesus steps today and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight title of of uh, my presentation tonight is simply fishers of men. We've looked at a lot of different areas of missions, vision for missions, uh, some ideas on how it can be done, and so on, Um, and I decided to begin with this little picture here. And so, fishing for men I'm not much of a fisherman. I don't know much about fishing. But there's a lot of interesting ideas that come to my mind when I think about fishing for people. Uh, I know what happens when you fish for fish, but what does fishing for people look like? So this evening, the compelling question is, what are you going to do? with what you have internalized here at Bible School. You, you've been here for, what, a week now, and you've got a few more to go, and day after day, we we, we revel in Bible teaching, Bible doctrine, what does the Bible say, and, How does it apply? And I sat in on a few classes. Tremendous teaching, tremendous opportunity. Question is, what's it going to look like when you go away from here? What is going to happen with what you have internalized here? A story. At the mouth of a wild, roaring river lay a quiet little fishing village. One day, in that quiet little fishing village, a cry goes up, boy overboard. And people run down to the edge. They go down to the water and they look, sure enough, out there in the water, there's a boy. And he's thrashing to stay on top in the turning water. He's going down the river and Anxious mothers are looking from one to the other, and they're doing the nose count. Is he my boy? Is he mine? And they're wondering, and as they're wondering what to do, suddenly here comes a brave man running with a rope. He runs up to the edge of the water. He takes the end of that rope, ties it around his waist, and he throws the end of the rope to the people standing there on the shore and he plunges in. He thrashes his way out until he gets to that boy that's just about to drown. And as he gets out there, he grabs him. Sure enough, he's got him in his arms and he shouts back to the people on the shore, pull in the rope. The people on the shore begin looking from one to the other. And in the excitement, and everybody watching, what's going on out there? Nobody paid attention to the end of the rope, and it had slipped into the water. The crowd now stands and watches helplessly as both swimmer and boy drowned. So this evening, my parallel scripture is from Matthew 4, 16, and following. <clears throat> the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light has sprung up. Quote from Isaiah 42 7 From that time Jesus began to preach and to say Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That sounds like a message for the fishermen. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. I've heard of radical things happening. These men are busy, it's a typical day. They're out there doing their business. They're doing what they're called to do, the best that they know how, and this stranger comes walking by. They don't know much about him. Maybe they've heard of him. I don't think they knew him very well at this point, if they did, and he comes and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Well, would that look right? to pull in a net and come up with people rather than fish. (laughs) But it says that they straightway left their nets and they followed. Process that in your minds. So in both the story and the scripture, we have, first of all, a situation. Let's look at it. In our story, we have a boy in the water. He will drown without intervention. I'm going to broaden that just a little bit to say that today, there's not only a boy in the water, there's a world in the water. There are people in the water, and without intervention, without a net coming along and getting them and bringing them up, they're they're going to drown In our scripture, we have people in darkness. We got a boy in the water over here, we've got people in darkness, it's what Jesus said, and they're sitting in a region and in the shadow of death. So what might this look like? Well, here's our story, here's my illustration. This lady, her name is Rakshana, and we learned to know her in Bangladesh. She was in the Rana Plaza, the big garment factory, nine-story garment factory, when it came down in nine layers of concrete. She said, this is my story. I was on the seventh floor of that building when it came down. And she said, I was between layers of concrete. I was in there for three days. And she said, concrete was right in front of my face and right behind my head. She said, I had a dead person over here. I had a dead person over here. There was a crazy person biting at me, and I couldn't move. I was trapped in this concrete. And she said, I was there for three days. On the third day, they had a machine, and they were digging in the concrete. And they found me, and they drugged me out, got me out. And she said, a man had a hold of my hand, and he was dragging me on the ground. He was taking me over to the corner where they were piling the dead, okay? And she said, as he was dragging me on the ground, suddenly I became, I became conscious. And I said two words, water please. And she said, the young man, he dropped me and ran away. <laughs> I don't know what you would have done. And she said, so they took me to the hospital. I needed blood, I needed a lot of it too. And at that time there wasn't enough blood and they didn't know what to do. They were looking for blood. And she said, all of a sudden from nowhere, a man stepped up and he put out his arm and he said, I will give her blood. And they took blood from this man and they gave it directly to her and her life was spared. Now. Nurses like this story. I don't know if there's nurses or doctors in the bunch here or not. But after they had given her the blood, and yes, her life was spared, suddenly it occurred to them, wonder what type she had. A little late. but So they looked around for the man. They wanted to know if he had type O positive or what he had. And, and he was gone. And as she told me the story... I don't remember exactly what I told her, but something to the effect that I wonder if that man that showed up and put out his arm and gave you blood wasn't the Lord Jesus himself. Came and he spared your life. The world is still looking for people that will put their arm out and give blood. What's inside of you, what you've internalized, what's, what, what you're full of, the word of God and and all of that. The story goes on a little later, and we had contact with her in time. By the way, that's a sewing machine behind her there, the amputees, I think all of them ended up getting one, and she was so happy, there was a sad piece of story that went between here and my next, and the next piece of the story, but I'm going to just fast forward for sake of time. We kept contact with Rakshana, and later, maybe a year or two later, some, some very sad things happened to her. Her, her husband left her. Um, he, he wanted her money. You see, when, the, when she got injured, she got a little stipend of money as, I don't know, a payment for what happened. Couldn't replace, She was an amputee. She lost her one leg. And, and so uh, her husband, he, uh, well... You have to know the culture to understand this, but he wanted her money. And she was a very smart lady. She put this money away that she had gotten. She put it in a bank, and she had it set up to where she would get the interest from the money. And she said, I will be able to go a long way on this. Her husband wanted that money, and she wouldn't give it to him. She gave him some, but she knew he was going to just take it and go with it. And he became very upset. And he beat her up with a rod. She was pregnant at the time with her very first child. Actually, when we brought her the sewing machine, she was so happy. She said, I'm going to sew. I'm going to sew for my baby. I'm going to have a child. And the look on her face is so different from the way she looked when we met her in the hospital, just hopelessly laying there, staring at the ceiling. I don't know what all happened inside of her heart, but I know she did some serious thinking. Later, we came, she came to our apartment. I'm just going to fast forward further. Her husband ended up leaving her then, and she went back to live with her parents. One day, she said there was a man at the door. And she went, door. Uh, it was an opening uh, in, in the house. And she went out, and there was a man there. And she said it, he, he was dressed in white. And he had very, very bright face, and he spoke to me about my life and and she said the man seemed to know everything about me he he knew he he knew about my life and we talked and she said he he said something about eternal life and she didn't understand everything and uh and she said to me she had come to our apartment we were talking and and she said who who do you think this man was and i said I'm not sure, but I perceived that you had a visit from Jesus. Actually, it was probably the same person that stepped forward and put his arm out and gave you blood and saved your life in a physical way. He's back because he wants your heart. <clears throat> People in darkness that somehow sea light. Mm -hmm. Let's continue on. There's more to that story. So there's a solution. We looked at the situation. So there's a solution. What's the solution? Well, in this case, a disciple, a man with a vision comes running with a rope. He sees a need and he steps forward and does something about it. There's a boy in the water. He's going to do what he can to save him. In our our, uh, passage of scripture, we have the message of Jesus, light to the darkness, the teaching on repentance and the purpose of God in Christ. You know, God has always pursued man. Here's our illustration. So we're back in Bangladesh. There's a man, the young man that was converted. He came to our apartment one day and he said, I went to visit a man that had a stroke and, and he's laying on his cot. He can't walk. He's partially paralyzed. And he said, I, I went to talk with him. And, and, and the man gave his heart to Jesus. He, he came to faith in Christ. And he said, we need to go see him. I said, okay, when can we go? Well, he said, we, we can't go right now because it's too dangerous. He said, if white man comes to the village, they're going to say, what is he doing here? You see, this is, this is Muslim. It's very, very strict. We're in the north where it's conservative. I said, okay. One day he called me and he said, we're gonna go see him. I call him Brother T. We're gonna go see him. I said, okay. He said, meet me down at the city. I can't come to your apartment because it'll be suspect. So I met him. I got on the back of his little Honda and, and we went out of the town, went north past where the the animist people there by the river, that hang their clothes in the trees, that kind of thing. We, we visited them too, and we went out there. Now remember, this man that you see sitting here was on his cot. He had had a a, uh, a stroke. He was partially paralyzed. And uh, as we were going, suddenly, Amon looks back over his shoulder, and he said, there he is. I said, really? Yeah, he said, he's up there beside the road. I said, I thought he was on his cot. And the... And Brother T was walking with a stick and and we came up to him and he stopped and we were right by. We're sitting actually on a uh, on a little concrete bridge. There's some water underneath. And uh, I said, well, this is a public place. This is good. We'll stop and talk with him right here. And so we stop and I met this man and and we sat down on the bridge and I said, tell me, tell me about your experience. I want to know what happened to you. And I wanted to encourage him and his faith. And so we sat down and he began to talk. And and suddenly he, he was crying. He was just sobbing. And I thought, I wonder what I did wrong. Maybe, maybe I maybe I offended him. Maybe I did something. I don't know. Maybe I did something wrong. And I put my arm around his shoulder to comfort him. And after a while he quit crying. And he said, Well, here's my story. He said, He said, when when I came to faith in Christ, I was laying on my cot and I couldn't walk. I was partially paralyzed. And he said, I was laying there and I was thinking about this. And he said, I thought, this man that can heal my heart, why can he not heal my body? So I asked him, and he did, and he got off his bed and he's walking. Now he wasn't running, he was walking with the walking stick. I got off and I walk with him. The two of us walked together to his village. <clears throat> there's more to that story. It, he, he wanted to be baptized. Uh, this is the first time I met this man and I, I really wasn't in, in a position quite to do it then. And I was out in public I felt like, Philip, there's water right under this, this bridge and this man wants to be baptized. But Maybe I wouldn't be telling the story today if I would have a solution. A disciple comes running with a rope. We have a message of light, a message of hope. Just a tremendous story. Now we have a system. So the disciple that comes running with the rope, he plunges in, he goes to rescue the boy. He throws the end of the rope to people that are there on the shore. The solution. Jesus is calling us into cooperation with himself. Whether you are the one in the water or whether you are on the shore and you've got the end of the rope that leads to the one that's out there, you can be part of the solution, the system. Here's what that system can look like. We're back in Bangladesh, and part of our mission there was to teach Pastors, to give them the tools to go back to their churches here and here and over here and 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 bring the gospel to their people, their people, remember Anabaptism is the ability for biblical belief to find uh, literal expression both internally and externally in any culture of the world. We had talked about that this is called pastor's training, and we get to talk about many things. And I see I must go quickly, maybe, maybe I will leave that. Excellent, excellent opportunity to, to help these people understand the truth and to go back, it's the system. <clears throat> so tonight, you're students, and I like, to, I like to use words for word pictures and to help us remember, so tonight, I'm gonna use an acrostic we're talking about fishers of men so here's our word picture and the words we're going to use uh, are the of course the first letter for each letter in fisher so we have follow we have being intentional we have the word sacrifice we have the word humility we have the word envision reconciliation and spirit leading, and fruit. Now, I know I'm only supposed to have three points, but I think I see a level of understanding here. You can handle at least seven. Yep, there's seven. All right, so in our picture, if you just visualize a little bit, and we're going to come back and and, uh, talk more about each one of these. But in our picture, we have the rabbi walking. Okay? And, and he's, he's leaving tracks, is he not? Jesus told those disciples to follow. Follow what? Follow my footsteps. Follow close in the dust of the rabbi. If we're going to get a little bit of dust from the rabbi, we're going to have to be right up beside him, right behind him, actually. The dust of the rabbi. Oh, it's a tremendous picture He's he's walking, maybe he's walking toward the Sea of Galilee. I'm only visualizing where he may be going. I see some intentional, intentionality in this picture. There's a mission being fulfilled. Jesus was intentional when he called those apostles, those disciples to follow him. He had great things in mind. Very, very intentional. Sacrifice looks like a bit of a lonely walk here. Looks like maybe desert. Looks like it could be a little bit lonely. Looks like it could be a little bit dry. Looks like it could be a little uncertain. A lot of things we could think about here uh, on this dusty trail here. Sacrifice is part of it. To be an effective fisher of men. It involves humility. I don't see a lot of fanfare here with this lowly man walking and vision. He's got a vision. He's got a purpose. And his purpose is reconciliation. Bring God and man together and to do so by the leading and the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Let's look more closely at these. The word follow. So here we have young man uh, that was converted first and he came and he wanted to know how do I follow? He knew how to follow Muhammad. He had learned, he had memorized the Quran. He knew everything about that, but he didn't know the Bible and he didn't know how to follow the Bible. He wanted to know how to follow Jesus. And a couple of questions that I ask him, very important. So first of all, if, if I'm going to follow, I need to know who I'm following. Who is my master? Who is the one that's calling me to fish? Who is my master? And secondly, what is my mission? Important questions to hold before us as we commit to fishing for men. Who is my master? What is my mission? What is it about? A disciple is a dedicated follower or adherent of a teacher, in this case, Jesus Christ. Now, you know by now that we're overlapping things here. A uh, brother was talking about this this morning, and I heard it in class, but you know what my dad taught me as a nine-year-old, I went out to start working fields with an old D. John Deere and I had a disc. And dad would always say, it's better to overlap than to leave skips. If you leave skips, there'll be weeds in the field, so you need to overlap. Make sure you get them all. So that's what we're doing. We make sure the disc overlaps a little bit here, okay? And, and sometimes we even you know, work that field crossways. A true disciple actively imitates the teacher's life, though we saw the rabbi walking. A follower is one that comes behind and he watches how his steps go. He's an imitator of the teacher's life and his values. He, He inculcates his values. He reproduces his teachings personally and in the lives of those he influences. Through deliberate apprenticeship, the fully formed disciple is a living copy of the master. That's amazing. So, following and fishing are inseparable components. If you are a disciple, you are a fisherman. Correct? That's what Jesus said. He said, follow and I'll make you to fish. I think they are inseparable components, just like a disciple and discipling are inseparable components. Well, let's look a little bit more about that. So here we have, and the man sitting there is Amon, and you saw him just a while ago, and we were in the Word. And I was attempting to help him understand what it means to be a disciple what it means to be a follower, and furthermore, how following involves fishing, and how, the, how discipleship involves discipling. You got the picture. And so we talk about that. Later, here he is. He's involved in the SALT program. He's there with a whole group of people, and they've got manuals on their laps, and they're studying. That's not time to quit, is it? Okay. <laughs> and, 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 they're, and they're studying together. People are asking, so this book that we're studying, it, it, it talks about money. And if, if this book has answers about money, maybe it's got answers about other things. And sure enough, it does. And as they, as they, as they talk and as they discuss, they discover that the Bible is the answer for life, not just money. I'm going to have to go quickly. So our second idea here is to be intentional. We're back in Greece, and there are four young men just like you sitting over here. And yes, we're doing the discipleship teaching and and different things. But those men said, we want to go deeper. We want to go further. We want to be able to take ownership of our faith to where we can go anywhere in the world. If we leave the island, Lesbos Island, and we go to Germany or wherever we go, we want to be able to tell anybody that we meet, what we believe, why we believe, what we believe, and how it works, and all of that. John 8 31, if ye continue in my words, then are ye my disciple indeed. Continue in my words means do it, live it, continue, and so on. Acts 8:35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, a little story. So we're sitting in a tent, we're back in Iraq, and we're talking to a a widow, and as we're there talking, she's talking very quickly, like I am now, and she's telling her story, and and as she does so, she talks about her her losses. You lost my husband, they shot and killed my husband, I lost my house, I lost my job, I lost my money, I've lost everything, and here I am. And in the conversation, she said, it must be I'm paying for my sin. And she kept on talking, and after a while, I get a chance to get a word in edgewise. And I say, oh, ma'am, excuse me, but I, I, I think I heard you say something about, about paying for my sin. Did you, did you say something like that? And she said, well, yes, I did. I said, can we go back and talk about that little bit? And she said, well, yes, that would be good. So we back play, we go back. And I begin to help her understand that, yes, it's true. Like Paul said, I've suffered the loss of all things. It's gone. I've I've lost everything. But I said, you can lose absolutely everything, but you can't pay for your sin. That's already been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. Really? I said, yes, he shed his blood for you at the cross. He died for you. He paid everything you, you receive that by faith, and you believe that he's done all this tremendous, intentional. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, we're to be done at 645, right? I think so. Um, ladies... <clears throat> I have a story for you about being intentional. There's a lot of other things I'm not going to say tonight, but I want to tell you about this. We're on Lesbos Island. I'm going out to Moria camp to pick up a couple. We're going to have them at our place. Okay? We're we're going to have them for lunch. I want to hear their story. And I go out there, and they're to meet me at the gate. They know who I am. I know who they are. And I come there, and there's probably a 1,000 people milling around outside Moria camp. There's people everywhere. And I carefully drive my little car down through there because I've got a little ways to go. I can't walk this time. And so I drive down there, and I'm looking for them, and they're not there. And I slowly go past, I turn around, come back. Maybe they're down at the other gate. Slowly come by, I'm looking in the crowd. I know they would be out there. They weren't there, and I keep going. I go back, I turn around, come back. No, it's gotta be this gate. And I slowly go by, and as I did this time, I see a young lady, and she's standing beside, just close to where I went through with my car, and she's there on her phone and i take a look at her and i say now i don't know who she is but i know she's an intentional person i go park my car and i walk back and i come up beside her and i carefully walk up and i uh, reach out my hand i say hello and she kind of jumped and she looked and oh she said uh, "Hmm, i think i know who you are i read your book i said really and, and we talked a little bit, and she told me who she was and where she's from, and I'm not going to say her name. But what I saw there just stood out like a... Like a something dark on something light. It, she just showed up. It, it's just so obvious. Modestly dressed, nice covering. it, it just an, an intentional person. And I spoke with her. And after a while, short, short story, she let me use her phone because I didn't have signal, and I, I found out where my party was, why they weren't there. And about that time, she said, oh, there goes my team, I need to go. And I looked, and I tried to find her team. I couldn't find them. They didn't look like she did at all. And I saw them go, and she joined her team, and they left. I said, you know what? People that are looking... For answers are going to find her. People that are really looking for a trustworthy answer, they're going to find her. <clears throat> I'm going to just page through here. I wanted to tell you more stories. The kingdom of heaven is where the will of God is done and His character is displayed. Let's just say a little bit. This little boy, somebody came back to my son, came to me one day, we were out in the camp. He said, Dad, you need to go way down the back corner of that camp, about a mile back there. He said, there's a little boy, he's hunched back there, and there's a little ray of sunshine, and he's he's not wearing a shirt, he's sitting outside, he's hunched together, and, and he needs help, it's a bad situation, I went back there, and sure enough, there he was, his name was Salah. You can pray for him, he was 12 years old. I could pick him up and carry him. And there he was, you can see, he's missing an arm, he's missing a leg, he had shrapnel in his face, he was pulling little pieces of iron metal out of his skin, part of his foot is blown off, and his mother was crying. She said, they shot my husband. And now my son is in this, and his older brother, Isis, had chopped his hand off because they accused him of being, doing something wrong right in the presence of his mother. And he was trying to help his brother. They were picking up some scrap iron. Now I'm telling you the story, but, I, but I'll stop real quick. And, and he, he picked up a bag with something in it, and it was a, a loaded IED, improvised explosive device. It was loaded, and the thing blew up, and it blew his, nearly killed him he was able to get a prosthesis. It was a long process. Sacrifice. I, <clears throat> We'll just sort of page through here. Uh, Luke 9, maybe that was read today, I'm not sure. But one of the things that happened as the disciples are following the rabbi, they're now becoming fishers of men, they're following. And one day, Jesus talks about a cross. And, and I can imagine the, the disciples, as they, they look at each other and they say, now wait, uh, when Jesus called us and told us to become fishers of men, didn't say anything about a cross. I wonder where that idea came from. That wasn't reassuring at all. You see, Jesus was on his way to the cross. After a while, the disciples started catching on. If the master's on his way to the cross, what's going to happen to us? Well, this is a picture of sacrifice, and I'd like to tell you the story, but I can't. Humility, very important element in fishing for men. I have this slide to help illustrate that it's a lady and her son, very, very poor, they were part of a SALT program, and she took a loan from that program when the money was available, seven US dollars, and she built a little platform in her house. They were in an area that when, when it rained, it would flood and, and the, the water would come up. And she and her son, she was a widow, and they would get wet. And she built this little platform and she was so happy. She said, now when it rains, my son and I can get up on this little platform. We can put our household goods on there and we can stay dry. <clears throat> Humility, the task of the church, and we talked about that. I need to tell you this story. I put this on so I don't forget. We're back in Iraq. I call it the ISIS story. Four of our team members are in Mosul. They're a medic team, and they're working with a doctor, and they're there doing, that, they're, they're helping people that were from the front line were being sh- soldiers that were shot and killed and or injured and that kind of thing. They were there working. And one day, the, the second day that they were there, the uh, Iraqi army, they came in and they had six men captured. They thought they were ISIS. Five of them, they said, were. The one they didn't know for sure. And so they held these men and the one as they went to get information to figure out who he was, whether he was ISIS or whether he was not. They had him on the floor with a brush broom and he's sweeping trash in this bombed out school with a lot of trash. And and, and they had a soldier standing there with a gun on him in case he makes a mismove, move And my son walks over to this man and he asks, starts to talk with this soldier, this military man. And he said, yeah, you know what he would do if he were free outside and you were outside. He'd kill you if he had a gun. Here, here's my gun. Here's your opportunity to take care of your enemy. And Daryl, my son, he explained to him that we choose to love and forgive. It's the last thing I could do for my enemy. And with that, he found a piece of brush and he went over and got on the floor beside this man that they were holding hostage and started sweeping trash with him. He's down there right with him. And now he's under the gun too. And he begins to talk with him. And a few of our te- the other team members, they gathered around him and they began to minister to this man. They talked to him about love and forgiveness. And this man, he said, I've only been ISIS five months. With his own mouth, he said, This is who I am. I don't know why he told them, but the word is now out for sure. They don't need any further evidence. He said that's who he is. And our team told him, son, with the full knowledge that if we were outside, you'd probably take a gun and kill us. We choose to love and forgive. And this man begins to cry uncontrollably. And and the, the others that were looking for evidence, they come back. And they see this scene going on. And they said, Well, the evidence is clear. We know who he is. They blindfolded him, handcuffed him. Oh, I should back up just a little bit. The evening before, he was wounded, actually. And our team got to dress up his wounds and they gave him a piece of candy. They said, It's the last one he'll ever get. And it probably was. And they took him out. Somebody that was watching said that something happened in the heart of that boy that they don't understand. Something reached the heart of that man, and it was love and forgiveness. Comes through the path of humility. Just pick up a brush and get on the ground where the man is that's being accused, right under the gun, and testify and witness to him. His heart was right for something, ready for something. Okay, and vision... <clears throat> This is a uh, Bible teaching going on with Amon and his wife. I wanted to tell you about her conversion, but I can't. Reconciliation. The compelling theme of the Bible is to bring sons and daughters into the kingdom of heaven. It is the eternal purpose of God to call from every nation, kindred and people, a multitude washed in the blood of his son, which will consummate in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Matthew 28, Brother Harry talked about this today. The power is mine. All power is given unto me, but I'm giving it to you to exemplify me in a way that brings people to decision, commitment, changes lives, and hopefully out of that baptism and disciples of the all things of the Scripture. <clears throat> I'm going to have to uh, just quit with this A few concluding things, um, spirit motivation, spirit leading and fruit. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Fishing is vain unless work connected and drawing and bearing fruit, fruit of the Spirit. Only a disciple can make a disciple. And we have Acts 1.8 here. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is the way that it works. So, in conclusion, as youth, as disciples, as functionaries in the kingdom of Christ, be followers of Jesus. Be followers of his character. Be followers of his methodology. Be followers of his heart. Follow close, close enough where you get the dust of the rabbi on yourself. Be intentional with your assignment, be sacrificial. No price is too high. Be humble. Make the Lord Jesus visible, intelligible, and desirable to all men. Be a visionary. See all people as candidates for the kingdom of Jesus. Help others be reconciled to God. Be filled with the Spirit and exemplify the fruit. Take the end of the rope. Be responsible and be accountable. That's my parting inspiration for you. God bless you as you study and as you prepare to be effective fishers of men as you go from here. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Amen.